right, guys, this is episode two and day one of filing week. I'm Matt Brown, who sits currently at the Yakima City Council in District 6. And I'm Dave Mullen. And I'm Lindsay Wehrmeyer. All right, guys, we are the Accurate Perspective Podcast. And today, uh, you know, we have it's a huge week in Yakima. It's filing week. Uh, We have a ton of seats open. Uh, And right now, it's really if you don't like what's going on in our county, if you don't like business as usual, uh, well, this is probably going to be your year to actually solve a lot of these problems because every position in the county is up for grabs this year. All three county commissioner seats, the county clerk, the county coroner, the county treasurer, the county assessor, the prosecuting attorney, and the county auditor. And there's probably more I haven't named. But the reality is, is that if you work at the county and you're an elected position, um, you're up for grabs this year. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a really exciting time for our county to kind of see where things fall. And, you know, I'm excited. So let's start with the county commissioner first. So for county commissioner, we've only had two people file today. One is the incumbent, LaDon Lind, uh, for District 3. And then in District 1, Alex Roy, who's a registered Democrat, filed today. I think in the last two to three years, we found out how important these spots are. Um, not only are they county commissioners, but they hold a spot on the county health board, too. And those spots come with some major responsibilities, um, not only in the past, but going forward. Yeah. So, like, we have another spot, District 2, that currently isn't um, – well, it was held by Ron Anderson um, – there's only really one candidate that's actually announced, which is Kyle Curtis running in District 2, but he didn't file today, nor did any other candidate in District 1, 3, or 2. Um, and so I think that's interesting to see is right now there's only two people running for county commissioner. <laughs> so, we, so either they're big cr- procrastinators or, or they've <laughs> changed your mind. Right. I mean, it's interesting because – I always tell candidates like this is the time where you put your money where your mouth is, right? Like this is the time where you actually show up, put your name on a ballot, literally your name (laughs) on the ballot or uh, you bow out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so obviously it's just day one. There's four more days of this. They have till Friday at 4 PM to file, which I'm hoping none of them wait that long, but you know what we can, I guess we'll see where, where we go between now and then. Um, So the next one, though, is the county clerk, right? So the county clerk actually had an incumbent. Um, She had taken over from a previous county clerk who had some uh, issues with different things going on in the county-wise. But she took over, decided not to run. And so this year, we actually have the opportunity of electing a new county clerk. Um, And there's two candidates who filed today. Uh, the first one is Misha Venables, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. I do not know who you are. So if you're watching this and I mispronounce it, please give me a call. Um, and then Billy Maggard um, is the other one. Um, and I, I don't know a whole lot about each one of these people other than Misha um, has typically backed uh, a lot of libertarian candidates for city races or school board races. Um, I looked up Billy and actually went to her campaign page and uh, there's not a whole lot there other than, hey, I decided to file and run today. So I think for this race, which is also interesting because a lot of people are probably like, what the heck does a county clerk do? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, I think it's interesting to see that there's two people that are relatively no names um, running for this position. 
and uh, you know it'll be fun to watch see who wins listen misha billy contact matt we'll have you on the show we want to learn more about you absolutely so the next one is the uh, county corner <clears throat> which we briefly talked about uh you know as a our opening so currently the spot is held by jim Cur- jim curtis um and the assistant uh <laughs> to the corner is marshall slight so this is an interesting one is you actually have uh the corner going against the uh assistant corner right now and actually the assistant corner is the only one who's filed as of today um so it's an interesting one. Marshall's been at the coroner's office for a very long time. So has Jim. They've both been at the coroner's office for a very long time. Um, you know, uh, it's a, it'll be an interesting race to see where that happens. I can't imagine there being more than those two candidates for this race. This is one of those races where it's not like there's, you know, seven, eight people wanting to deal with dead bodies in Yakima. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a, uh, a specialty elected item there um, that you kind of have. So... Um, but yeah, I think that's, that'll be an interesting one to see. Yep. And then next for County Treasurer, kind, kind of had the same situation with Eileen Thompson. She's the only one who has filed a run. Um, she has worked at the county since 1990, and this will actually be her sixth term that she's running for County Treasurer. I actually had to look up what a County Treasurer does. Um, Basically, they're the bank for the county and most local jurisdictions. Um, They collect taxes. They're the banks for the school districts as well. Um, But she'll collect taxes, distribute funds. uh, They do cash and debt management for the county as well. So uh, it's not a hotly contested race, I think, in two of her last three elections, she didn't have to raise any money at all. So I think uh, with this position, it's probably just going to be Eileen again. Yeah, which I thought was interesting when I actually met or was talking to Eileen actually at a Republican event a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and because you know, a lot of people are upset about their property tax lately, right? everybody's property tax are going up. And I asked Eileen, I said, what the heck, man? What is going on? Why, why are our property taxes going through the roof right now? And, you know, her, her statement, which was interesting, is like, this is actually from the decision uh, a couple years back where, um, where the state got sued talking about uh, education and that they weren't paying the teachers enough. Yep. And, uh, and so, so what's happened is the state made a new um, – basically a tax that's not capped and to try to catch up with funding uh, it actually has ballooned a lot of people's tax on their property tax because of their, I think it's called the McCleary decision um, has actually increased a lot of people's property tax all across the state, but especially here in Yakima. And so it's an interesting one because she's, she's like, I get a lot of the blame, but I didn't have anything to do with this. (laughs) So, or the assessor um, who was the previous assessor, they, they both felt the same piece was like, this was kind of out of our, out of our control, not, not in our hands here. So leads us to the next one. When I see uh, Eileen Thompson's name, I'm like, why do I feel like I paid this person money? Like, you know, you you associate it with, with owing money. So that, that explains, that's where we see that name. 
the county assessor, uh, we have Jacob Tate. He's the only one who has filed so far for the uh, county assessor. I yeah, don't know anything about him. <laughs> the previous county assessor was Dave Cook, and he decided to not run again um, after years and years of being the county assessor. Um, Jacob's actually worked at the county assessor's office for a long time um, and was in a lot of ways kind of a uh, handpicked successor to Dave Cook, someone who actually knows um, how how that department works. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if anyone else runs. Again, some of these positions are very like specific um, pieces that are, you know, like the corner. There's a specific talent there that you need to actually be qualified. It's not like some person who was a PCO that has no experience can just jump in and run for county assessor. I mean, you probably could. You just probably would hate it because you had no idea what you're doing. Um, So this is one of those things where really having job experience, uh, which I also think going back to county clerk, uh, Misha, uh, from what I could tell on her Facebook, has actually worked at the county clerk's office for – quite a bit of years actually trying to clean up some of the records keeping and different things in there. So going back on experience, Billy also has like 25 years in civil um, uh, legal services and stuff like that. So I think they do have, um, you know, very special skill sets to be able to apply for these positions. Now it's not a requirement though. Like if you look at the requirements um, for that, it's not, there's not a requirement that you got to have a certain thing. So it's interesting. But next one uh, is the prosecuting attorney. Again, uh, I, I do think you probably need to be an attorney to be a prosecuting one. Um, that's kind of a good start. Um, the only one who filed today is Joe Brusick, um, who has been our county prosecuting attorney for a long time, probably eight plus years now. And, uh, you know, f- word around the street is I don't necessarily see anyone going against him. Um, you know, he's. He's been around a long time. He knows the system. Um, you might not always agree with the way he prosecutes folks. Um, there's often times where I don't necessarily agree. <laughs> I'll be honest with the way that happens. Uh, but I also think he has a, a very hard job uh, with the ever-changing laws that are in our state right now that, uh, you know, it kind of puts Joe in a bind and yeah. to the fact that I think if we actually had a different prosecuting attorney, I think it would probably set our county back a lot of years trying to figure out um, what they're doing, you know, because uh, the the legal atmosphere in the state of Washington has been changing so rapidly over the last four years. Um, I mean, from the uh, two years ago when they did the law enforcement uh, regulation changes, the you know, uh, reforming the law enforcement laws, that completely changed a lot of cases that Joe Brusick actually prosecuted on. And he had to actually go back and revisit a lot of cases based on some of the changes they made and some of the rulings that the Supreme court did, um, which was like drug possession and some other things. It, I mean, it completely, uh, I mean, I don't envy anyone in that position because it is rapidly changing. I mean, even our, cause I do work at the city, <laughs> even our city attorney, the stuff that they have to go through and understand I'm like, you guys are crazy. So I don't know if someone will run against him, but you know, if you're out there and you're an attorney, you're ready to rock and roll. You want a battle, man. Joe's ready to go. So jump on in. Nope. Uh, so next is County Auditor. 
only person to file is our current county auditor, Charles Ross. Charles Ross has been in the political game since 2007. Um, 2007 to 2015, he was a state representative, and then he moved on to be in our county auditor. Uh, I think the last time he faced some competition was in 2014. He raised $43,000 that, that year. Um, and then in 2018, I don't think he raised more than $4,000. This is another position that probably deserves some competition, um, not only because Charles has been in um, office for a few years, but there's some fresh ideas out there um, with, with recent election events. And um, I think the people deserve to hear a few different points of view for this position. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, <clears throat> like, you know, uh, election integrity is a huge deal right now in the Republican side of the world. Yep. And, you know, everyone always asks when we have these big elections, like, are our local elections here in Yakima uh, secure, right? Um, as as being a candidate who just went through this last election <laughs> and actually getting to see the process firsthand locally, I was actually really impressed with how our county actually handles the election. Now, do I think it has room for improvement? Absolutely. Everything does, right? You're always, um, you know, can make things better. Um, but do I think uh, there's as much mischief that happens here as there is across the rest of the state? You know, it's, 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 it's debatable, <laughs> right? Um, I, I do think Charles does a, a, a great job there. Um, but I, I do agree. I think with the heat that election integrity has been under recently, I think, you know, this is a spot where I, I would be surprised if there's not someone else to run, um, because right. this has been such hotly debated over the last two years. Yep. Is this um, one that requires a special skill set also? Sorry, Dave. Nope. Uh, Just the not, ability to fundraise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Charles was a state rep before that. Understanding the law, understanding the election process um, is one. What's actually funny, too, is like um, there's a gal down there, Kathy Fisher, who actually runs the election piece. She's been there for 18, 19 years, not an elected position. And, uh, I mean, she's she basically runs that operation. You know, Charles uh, does a lot pre and post and different things. Um, but... Uh, Kathy is a, is a beast when it comes to these things. Um, so it's an interesting position, but I do think you could have, I mean, typically county auditors are the folks that end up being future, you know, uh, secretary of states, right. Um, you know, like a Kim Wyman was a county auditor before that. Um, you know, that's kind of where these people end up progressing to, um, you know, I don't know if Charles has those type of aspirations because he seems to just like being here. Yep. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's nice. listen. There's no doubt he knows what he's doing, um, and his heart's in the right place. But like you were kind of saying, we just need a few more points of view for county auditor. Yeah, well, it's been so hotly debated. Yep. You know, yep. mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I met with the group uh, last week who was actually like, you know, they're going through voter rolls. And they're going through all of their stuff and going through everything because they're like, we're going to, we're going to clean up the system. Right. And they're going through all of that. And I'm going, 
that's that's kind of the job of the county auditor and right. the election right. official. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I applaud you as volunteers wanting to spend that time to do it. Um, but I also think that that's where I think someone fresh fresh eyes always makes a huge, uh, you know, difference when it comes to those things. You just see yep. stuff a little differently. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's look at some uh, state representative races. District 13 doesn't have anyone who has filed yet. Uh, District 14, we have Chris Corey and Gina Mossbrooker. And then in 15 so far, we only have Brian Sandlin. So that's what we got so far. Yeah, so District 15 um, used to be uh, – oh, yeah, that was Jeremy Dufo's old district, right? And, yes. and he was written out in the redistricting. Um, of his district. He was actually moved into the 14th. Jeremy decided not to run this year, uh, family reasons and other reasons. You know, there's already two uh, candidates already in the 14th. Um, So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Jeremy ends up uh, falling, uh, you know, into his next role here in Yakima, because I don't think his his, uh, days of serving the community are done. Uh, But we have like a fresh fresh person in there this year. So we have Brian Sandlin in 15, which does have the H rock, um, which those who don't know what H rock is, it's kind of the, the big, uh, uh, Republican, uh, endorsement arm in Olympia that helps fund candidates, helps get candidates elected. They kind of hand pick and hand select folks that they actually think will win. So it's kind of a big deal that Brian has actually selected there so far. He's the only one who's running in the 15th, so it might be an actually pretty easy deal for him. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, Chris Corey and Gina Mossberger are both incumbents. Uh, they've been doing this for a while. Um, you know, we're actually going to have both of them on this week. Gina's going to be on on Wednesday, and Chris will be on tomorrow. So it would be fun to actually ask them some questions. Um, about what they see heading forward for the next two years. This, these are two-year terms, um, so which always is fun. I like that state representative races and state senator races and congressional races are all two years because it, it allows the people to actually be like, you know, what? we're tired of these people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we can get we can get moving on from them. Um, you only have two years, right? Now it does make it hard for those candidates, in my opinion, because you have one year of where you actually can get a lot of work done. And then the other year you're campaigning, right? If you want to keep your job. So, um, you got to be super efficient. But and is it typical that, Go ahead. Sorry, uh, do you, is it two per district? Is that typically what is, uh, the representatives? Is that how many we vote in? Yeah. So you'll have two state representatives and one Senator per district. Um, and right now, uh, like the 13th has no one filed today. I, I would imagine there's going to be three or four different candidates in the 13th and the 14th and the 15th uh, by the end of this week. Um, I know in the, the 13th, the incumbents haven't even filed today. So, right. um, you know, that's like Tom Dent, Alex Abara. Um, yep. Those guys haven't filed yet and they will, or someone will <laughs> soon. Yep. Um, you know, and then switching to, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who these guys are actually competing against because Chris Corey and Gina Mossberger are not competing against each other. Right. They're in their own positions. So who are they going to be running against? We know, uh, you know, based on announcements last week that Liz Halleck is running against Gina Mossberger in the 14th. Um, she didn't file today, 
but she announced last week. So I'd imagine she'll probably be filing tomorrow or the next day. We tried to get Liz on the show, but uh, it was a no. So, you know, our uh, producer tried to get her on here and it, it just didn't happen. So, Liz, if you're watching, we hope you would actually join us on the show. Please uh, come like on, to, Liz. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'd like to talk to you and hang out and see what you got to bring to District 14. So, um, yeah. Any other th- thoughts on that on those races? Uh, it's just interesting to see who's going to come out of District 14 or run against Chris Corey or Gina Mossbrucker, two very well-known people. Um, so we'll see if anybody has the money, I guess, to run against them. That's a huge part of this, too. Yeah, I mean, typically those three districts have actually been very dominant Republican, yep. right? I mean, it, it has not been a easy one for a Democrat to actually sniff and actually win. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see the 13th, 14th. And these are – what's interesting, too, is this is Yakima's first year as of having the 14th and the – the 13th, 14th, and 15th all in the same county uh, because of redistricting that happened. Typically, it's just been the 14th and 15th. Um, the 13th has not been included in there. So, you know, Yakima County will now have a ton of representatives just for <laughs> our county. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see who files tomorrow and the rest of this week. And then your state senators, District 13. The incumbent is Judy Warnick. She has not filed yet. I don't know if she will. I'm assuming she will. Uh, District 14 is Yakima's very own Curtis King. Um, he obviously hasn't filed yet. We all assume he's going to run again. Um, and in District 15, Jim Honeyford has already filed. I did some research on Jim Honeyford, and I don't know if you guys know, but he's been... Uh, a senator since 99, uh, but even wow. before that, he was a cop, a farmer, and a teacher. Um, the guys lived an awesome life. Uh, in 2011, he walked out of a legislative meeting uh, because he was mad about ghost bills, and ghost bills were bills that they would uh, they would talk about in committee hearings, but they wouldn't write them up until like after they passed the bills. And so he was so fed up, he just walked out of a hearing. Um, Mm. Registered Republican, really good guy. Um, So, again, competition is needed. I think in District 15, District 14 with Curtis King as well, uh, just to see some different points of view, um, see if there's maybe some younger folks out there who want to run and see what they have going on. Because let's face it, the, some of our current senators, their priorities are different than, say, our generations with our kids. We're super worried about our kids right now. Not sure if all the senators are, right? So I think we need somebody in there who wants to empower, empower parents and not the education system. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things that I've been pushing to a lot of parents is like, and I, I think all every candidate that has to do with um, schooling, education, um, way of life, uh, we, we need to be asking candidates this year. This is my opinion, right, as my perspective, but we, we need to be asking candidates, uh, are, who is the primary stakeholder in your child's upbringing? Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and if it's not parents, I mean, that if they can't even answer that question, that's going to, in my opinion, decide <laughs> kind of 
how I'm going to vote and how our family is going to vote. But it also uh, should help you determine where you're, you know, where you're going to vote, whether you think parents actually are or not. If you don't, that's fine. Now, you know, they would agree with you. (laughs) Um, I I would even say, Matt, I would even say from a Republican point of view, if you don't agree with school choice, I don't know that you're a Republican. It is on the national platform. Yeah. Um, and it gives everybody an opportunity for much better education. So if you don't support it, you might not be a Republican at that point. <laughs> right. Well, and our our state uh, constitution and uh, the RCWs, if you actually look through all of those laws, um, <clears throat> there's very little to actually uh, that talks about parents, yep. right, in, in forms of education, in forms of your children. Um, I actually talked to one state representative who's running um, in the 17th, not in Yakima, but in the 17th about, you know, answering that question for me. And her response was, well, we shouldn't have to make a law stating what parents and what rights they have. Those are inalienable rights as parents. And I said, in a normal, perfect society Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, As my perspective, yeah, you know, as a normal, uh, perfect little world, um, absolutely. But in the world we live in, um, you know, I I just I disagree. And now I will say, too, you know, some on the other side will go, well, what about those parents that don't actually um, (laughs) parent their children? Well, right. Um, They don't parent their they probably shouldn't be parents. you know, I, I think the definition of what a parent is, is a piece that I think the legislature should actually define. You know, um, our West Valley School Board up here recently passed into policy that uh, it was families were the primary stakeholders of their child's education, which isn't parents. But then you start to think about the aunts and uncles who come in who are now parenting these kids because the parents have left or the grandma and grandpas. You know, I go maybe that's a better fit. I don't know, but I, you're not going to find those things out without actually sitting at the table with these parents, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. coming to these conclusions. So, um, moving on. So PCO, we talked about PCO on our last, uh, podcast a bit and, you know, uh, it's always an interesting one to watch because this really determines kind of the, the, uh, the way the parties move over the next two years between the Republicans and the Democrats, they both have equal amount of seats in our county. There's 174 precincts. What's interesting about our state um, is that you don't have to file. There's not like you're an official Democrat or you're an official Republican card, right? There's there's not. You can flip between party lines all you want. Um, so it's interesting because it's kind of like the honor system, right? So uh, you can declare you're a Republican, but is that the case? You can declare you're a Democrat, but is that the case? Um, you know, it, you know, and, and by whose definition? Um, so this year, out of 174 precincts, as of today, the Republicans have filled 27 of those. Only a few of those, I think two or three, have actually got more than one candidate running. Um, <clears throat> which, so as of today, obviously that changes throughout the rest of the week, and we'll keep you guys updated on that. But Um, So if there's not more than one, so if there's only one candidate, that person will be it. It won't go to a ballot, right? If there's more than one, then it'll actually go to the primary ballot and you'll actually get 
to vote for your PCO um, if you live in that precinct, right? So, um, so it's interesting to see, especially on some of those that have two or three. I know the first time I ran for PCO, which was in 2020, um, it was in 2020. Yes, 2020. Um, I actually had three others who ran against me, and I lost. I just moved into the neighborhood for like a week, and I wanted to get politically involved. That's typically where PCOs are, right? You're trying to be politically involved at the grassroots level, trying to do something other than sitting at home and being mad, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, that's typically why people get involved with PCO um, because you get to vote on how the county party is working, whether that's spending money, whether that's the board that oversees that party in the area. Um, you know, like in the Republican board, I don't know how the Democrats work exactly, but I know on the Republican board, we have nine board members, one chair, nine board members. She's a board member or the chair is a board member as well. Um, the Democrats have probably a fairly similar uh, setup with a chair and board members. Um, but yeah, so the Republicans right now, 27 out of 174 and the Democrats have one PCO that is filed. Um, and which is interesting. We've had one Democrat file for County commissioner and we've had one Democrat file for PCO. So obviously that's going to change by the end of the week, but today was just not their day to file on uh, election. So, uh, so Matt, you're, you're saying if you want to get involved, that PCO is a good, a good starting point. Someone wanted yeah. to run for something. Yeah. Okay. And there's yeah, a lot of openings. It looks like <laughs> there is. Yeah. And there's, you know, if you're not sure what a precinct is, um, so a precinct, so the county itself is split up into like little, basically geographical, you know, shapes, <laughs> basically, right. um, based on population. Um, and, um, you know, they try to make them as equal as possible. It doesn't always equate that way because some of these county way out in who knows where Yakima County, sometimes houses are very, very far apart. Right. Yep. So, yep. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you can be a precinct committee officer of like, like there's one, there's actually one, uh, precinct in Yakima. I forget what number it is, but there's like six houses that is in this whole precinct and it's never filled because no one who lives in those six ever wants to file <laughs> or, or does, or even knows that they're their own precinct. Um, I've been asking for a long time. Why is that a precinct? <laughs> Right. <laughs> it should right. be absorbed into something else where there's more people. Mm -hmm. um, but it hasn't yet. So, uh, But they did just redistrict all the precincts this year because of the uh, census data and different things. So um, they changed a little bit. Not a ton of changes, but some uh, small changes like in Yakima proper. Some of the precincts in Yakima city limits changed a little bit. Some out in West Valley changed a little bit. So, yeah, it's a great place to get started on, um, you know, yep. the grassroots part of things. So uh, moving on, uh, we've got congressional races, which I know folks will probably give me a hard time about this because I said we're going to keep it local. But this race is probably as local as a national race could ever get because these folks um, are all from here. Um, no one is outside of Yakima County. And so I think it's important for us to actually talk about who's in that race, who's filed right now. Uh, they did just have actually two different debates. Uh, well, one debate and one Q&A. Um, on May 7th, they had a debate where Lauren Culp, 
Ben Garcia, Corey Gibson, Doug White, Brad Clippert, and Jared Sessler all went in and to the VFW and duked it out for two hours, right? Um, it was a great turnout. We had a ton of people down there. Um, I thought the questions were good, um, tough. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if I could have answered some of those questions, <laughs> um, you know, but it, it is a really interesting take on who these folks were because they're all fighting for the incumbent spe- uh, seat, right? Dan Newhouse. Dan has been our congressman for a long time. And when it comes to trying to replace an incumbent, you typically have to present something that makes you different or better than that, than that person. All of these Republicans that are running, in my opinion, are, are there because of what Dan hasn't done, right? So what he has done and haven't done in the last uh, so many years. One of the guys actually at the debate said, you know, can we name one thing that Dan has done? <laughs> it was interesting because no one there could name that. Um, even the Democrat couldn't name that. Um, and actually getting to hear Doug actually speak at the at the uh, debate was actually kind of interesting because a lot of the questions he had, he wasn't too far off on uh, the other side, right? The Republican counterparts, um, you know, like energy policy or, I mean, even border policy, right? That's a pretty hot topic right now. He actually admitted at the debate, he said no, he thinks the Biden administration has actually failed at the border. He says that's been, he's actually been one of his biggest disappointments to see um, is what's happening at our border right now. And I, I thought that was actually kind of interesting to hear from Doug um, because that's not, that's not the national message you hear from Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, there was a straw poll conducted um, there and which is always an interesting one. I didn't, we didn't actually tell candidates that we were doing a straw poll. So the RLC wall, which I sit as the chair, the Republican Liberty Caucus of Washington, um, we didn't tell anybody we were doing a straw poll. I actually didn't even know we were going to do a straw poll until Saturday morning until the board told me we're doing a straw poll. Um, and I said, okay, great. <laughs> um, so, uh, which actually makes it kind of more random and uh, authentic right? Because yep. no one knew, no one can come back. That's typically why you don't do straw polls. You don't tell people you're doing them because then a candidate will try to stack it with their people inside there to try to prove a point. Um, Corey Gibson did come out as the the lead during that straw poll, which is interesting because I think Corey's probably typically a, he's kind of a no-namer coming out of nowhere <laughs> right now. A lot of people don't know who he is. Um, so it's interesting, but today only four have filed. So we're still missing a few. So Ben Garcia, the third filed, Corey Gibson filed, Doug White filed and Dan Newhouse. So right now we have no Brad Clippert, no Jared Sessler and no Lauren Colt. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting. I know for a fact it'll be expensive. Dan Newhouse already has raised $1.2 million. Um, so whoever's going to come out on top needs to start raising money now, too, because wherever that money came from, you know Dan Newhouse has more. He's been in Washington, D.C. for eight years. He has those connections. Um, and there's a lot more money in Washington, D.C. than there is in Washington State. Yeah, it's not an easy race to win, especially when it's, you know, I, I was looking up, like, 
So like when they do ground campaigns in the congressional race, <clears throat> typically when you hire a company or a firm to actually do the ground campaign, it's like they, they charge candidates anywhere between five and $12 a vote to run those ground campaigns. So in like in this race, for example, to come in second place, you're looking about, you need about 50,000 votes in the congressional fourth, right? Which is a lot of money when you start talking five to ten, twelve dollars a vote that you're basically paying for for the ground campaign. Um, you know, where you look at Dan Newhouse, has got one point two million. Uh, Doug White's got about two hundred thousand plus. Uh, Corey's got about thirty. Ben, I don't know how much Ben has. I haven't seen any of his filings. Lauren Culp's got, you know, he's raised about one hundred ninety. Jared Sessler has put in a lot of his own money like $350,000 of his own money and has raised like 97,000, which is a lot of stinking money. I don't, I don't know how I could put that much money in of, of my own money to run for a race this big. Um, you know, and then Brad Clippers raised about 18,000. Um, you know, and it's not about the money in these races, but when you start talking about trying to beat an incumbent like Dan Newhouse, you know, it, it gets a little, it does get about the money because you just yeah. don't have the infrastructure to beat a Dan Newhouse. And then in this congressional district, I mean, the boundaries are all the way to Canada, yeah. past Omac, uh, further west than Yakima, almost to Walla Walla, to the east. It's You need money to just compete throughout all those different cities, too. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, yeah, clear up to the Canadian border. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just wild. I don't even know how you run a ground campaign that big. Um you need a plane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know these guys have been traveling like crazy. Um, I think if you go to follow any of them on Facebook, they're always posting, driving, driving. They're posting a video, <laughs> always driving mm-hmm. somewhere. You know, um, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like a regular citizen couldn't run for this seat. There's no way they could campaign. It's It'll become a full-time job, so... Anybody who's a factory worker who has aspirations to be a congressional candidate, they, you have to quit your job to run for this mm-hmm. specific seat. That kind of bothers me a little bit, right? Yeah. You should probably limit the boundaries so people can be there. Like, how often does Dan Newhouse get to OMAC and does he really know those people? So, how can he vote for them, right? Right. The boundaries are so big. I mean, that's that's the whole. That's I, I think the whole problem I have with the fourth is that it's it's so massive, um, right. and you have so many different populace too. Like uh, North is like heavy, heavy farmland, right? Yeah. Heavy, heavy farmland all the way up to the Canadian border, and then you come more central and you start getting huge populous zones, right? You know, uh, Yakima, Tri Cities, like huge, big, you know, huge population centers. And then you go back down and you're back into more farmland. So it's like a very interesting, um, you know, dynamic, which is why I think a lot of candidates end up coming from the Tri-Cities or Yakima. And I do want to correct myself. Brad Clippert is the only one that's not from Yakima. Brad Clippert's actually from, uh, yeah, Tri-Cities. So, um, yeah. But again, though, the two biggest populous centers and District 4 are the ones putting all the candidates forward, which yep. goes back to your point. You know, is it going to be a farmer up in OMAC? P- 
probably not, right? Uh, Unless that farmer is really well off and it's not going to work anymore, right. you know. And then, uh, and then to your point, it's like me living in Yakima. Do I necessarily want a farmer from OMAC representing me? That's probably, true. Probably not, right? Yeah. No, no offense to them, but we have different interests in Yakima mm-hmm. probably than OMAC has and different issues. So, Right. Yeah, and I, you know it, it's interesting to watch that debate. If you guys haven't watched it, I, w- I would go uh, to the Republican Liberty Caucus of Washington's uh, Facebook and scroll down a little bit. It's right there. Fast forward about the first fifteen minutes, and then it'll start in. Um, I'd highly, you know, recommend you guys go watch that thing um, and get to see, you know, different perspectives and understanding, um, you know, why they want your vote. <laughs> you know, because I think as we you know, look towards the future, they're all trying to best Dan Newhouse, right? And in my opinion, there's some that are pulling higher to be able to possibly do that. But those people aren't, they haven't filed today. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's interesting to see that, um, you know, because Dan is not an easy person to beat for this seat. And, you know, you want to try to put your best foot forward. And that's just not happening right now, in my opinion. So, um, so we're going to move on though, uh, to the judges races. There is a bunch of them happening. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail on these other than that. We're going to have Scott Brumback on from Brumback and Odom law group, um, on Thursday show to actually go through some of the judges races. Um, because I think there's still some more, um, that are filing. There's actually four judge seats open. I believe, um, maybe there's three. I'm not 100%. I think there's three or four. But, uh, you know, judge races are always hard <laughs> because um, they they don't give you a whole lot of information on which way they lean, right? And so both sides really have a hard time figuring out who to vote for, right, Republicans and Democrats, because they're like, well, I don't know. Is that person conservative? I don't know. Is that person liberal? I don't know. Is that person, you know, progressive, you know, whatever, and so it's it's always an interesting one to see um, because how they answer questions can actually affect how they preside over cases and future cases. You know, we actually watched some of these Supreme Court uh, justices being confirmed, you know, when they say, mm-hmm. you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to defer to previous cases that are um, how I've ruled on this or that. It's because they're trying to keep <laughs> the partisan right. side of them out of their decision making, yep. which is which is great, right? Like as a judge, you want you want that judge to be impartial, not not partial to one side or the other, not Republican mm-hmm. or Democrat. Um, but it also makes it really hard for the voter <laughs> to understand yep. who am I supposed to vote for here, right? Um, you know, and so Brumback, he's a he's a buddy of mine. Uh, he's been an attorney for a long time. He, uh, I'll just say, I mean, he he is more on the right side of the aisle um, when it comes to being an attorney. But um, he does have a set of questions that he asks judges, and and it helps determine for both sides where that judge actually stands on issues, um, so that it you know it it could answer your question. Hey. And that that is now how I'm going to vote for that person or not. So this might be one of those races where before you didn't even think about it. I mean, me personally, sometimes I'll be like, "Well, that's the incumbent. 
They've been elected three times. They probably can't be that bad. I'm going to vote for them again. I have no idea who they are or what they're doing, but they're running for a judgeship and they're in the incumbent. So it's nice to have a litmus test for once. Yeah, right. For sure. Well, and like the judges, um, what's interesting with them too is that, you know, for the longest time when I would go and actually try to fill out my ballot, <laughs> I would ask people, who are these people? Right. Like, I don't know these people. I'm politically involved. I don't even know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and they hardly have even websites set up or Facebook or anything. So you're like, how am I supposed to know who you are? I can't even, I can't ethically, I can't even vote for you. If I just, I, I don't, I can't even see a picture of you, you know, like it's really hard. Um, you know, and then even some of them, when you look at their, uh, like their voter pamphlet that comes out is like, it's even worse. It's more vague, right? You're like, you're like, good night, man. I, I, well, they've, they've had 20 plus years of experience sitting as an attorney. Judge. Yep. Yeah. Or a judge. You're like, cool, cool. That, what, what's your track record? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, well, and in, in our state, uh, I didn't realize this, but Scott actually told me this was in our state, you can be a judge uh, all you have to have, you just have to be an attorney, right? So it's not something that you actually have to like, so most judges are attorneys first, right. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, other States, it's a little different. There's like an actual, another process, but in our state, you just have to have your, you just have to pass the bar exam and be an attorney. And That's you know, yeah. So typically like when, uh, you know, folks are running to be a judge of some sort. It's typically attorneys, right? So like a couple of years ago, Bronson Fowl ran as a judge. He didn't win, but he was actually a city of Yakima attorney. Um, been that way for a long time. And, but he didn't win his election, uh, but he was running for judge. So it's a very interesting, I, I just, it's a hard race. Yep. <laughs> so I didn't even want to try to go down trying to tell you anything about these folks. I literally was reading all of the names and I went, I don't know any of these people. Um, and if so, you did, we'd ask why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyways, I, I wanted to fast forward a little bit more. We're going to wrap up here, but I um, want to tell you guys this week, we're going to have a bunch of our friends on with us as well. Um, so tomorrow night, we're going to have Chris Corey on with us. We're going to talk about the 14th, uh, what his plans are for the 14th and, uh, and, and parents. We're going to talk about parents, dang it. And we're going to talk uh, with Chris um, and kind of dive into what he's, uh, what he's cooking for uh, this year. And then Gina Mossbrooker, <clears throat> you know, Gina's running. Uh, we're not entirely sure if it's Liz Halleck or not, but um she hasn't filed yet, but uh, Gina will be running for the other seat on the 14th. And, you know, so we'll we'll see kind of what Gina's got. Uh, Gina and Chris have both um, sat, you know, in Olympia for many years now. So yep. uh, they have experience. They've been there a while. Um, so it'll be interesting to see their take, especially in our state right now, where I would say the Republicans are feeling pretty uh, – pretty advantageous that they're going to take some seats this year. Um, yeah, and that'll be interesting for people like Chris Corey and Gina Mossbrucker, who are super smart and 
you just feel like they're waiting for the majority to make some major moves. Yeah. And then we're going to have uh, Amanda McKinney on as well. Amanda uh, is slated to run, which she hasn't filed yet, but she's slated to run for. Not official. Not yeah, official. not official. Uh, slated to run for uh, county commissioner in District 1. Maybe so. she'll break the news for us uh, when she comes on. Yeah. Well, but she's you know, running. We'll, yeah, we'll see. But so she's going to be on sometime this week. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got we've got some fun folks coming uh, here. And, you know, I'm excited. This is our second episode. You know, we're still working out some of the kinks, like microphones and fun stuff. But, you know, we want to, <laughs> you know, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you know, we're going to have episodes every day this week. Um, our last episode on Friday will actually air on Saturday. Uh, there, You know, we do need time to actually produce this thing. Um, so uh, these shows. So tonight is actually Monday night. But you guys will actually be seeing this Tuesday morning. Um, and then so on and so forth. But uh, we hope this was beneficial for you guys. Um, we're excited to give you guys kind of coverage on the filing day. Uh, I call it mayhem, um, you know, and just trying to see where everything falls into place. Um, so did want to talk about our partners uh, right now at Center for Self-Governance. Uh, if you go to centerforselfgovernance.com, uh, they are great nonpartisan political leadership training. And I would just... I would recommend it to everyone. This is not a paid partnership. This is just, uh, I just recommend it. So go over there. Um, and we do have a way now to actually support the show. So uh, if you go to Patreon and you look up Accurate Perspective, you can actually join our Patreon group and actually help uh, keep, the fl- uh, keep the show going. And actually, you know, if we get enough of you guys helping us support the show, we might actually turn this into something more like, once a day or doing something like that. Um, but you know, we're, we're just here to bring you guys the info that you need, but, and don't feel obligated to obviously join that thing, but that's on Patreon. Look up accurate perspective. Um, and then you guys can always follow us on Facebook, on anchor, find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, pretty much any of the podcasts, uh, places that you can find us on. And, you know, we're excited for this week. This is the this is the time that we've all been waiting for is filing week. If you're in political world, you've been waiting for this week. If you're a political nerd, you've been waiting for this week. Um, that's me. I'm a political nerd. I've been waiting for this week. So, anything you guys want to say? If you're well, if you're not a political, about running, go ahead, just Dave. run. <laughs> just sign up. Just run. PCO. There you go. Yeah, and if you don't know, ask one of us. We'll help you. Yes. I was going to say, if you're, if you're not a political nerd, you're like, what the heck is filing week? So, you know, right. we're all just kind of learning it together. So PCO is a great place to start. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. All right. See you then. Yes, we will.